Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And thank you guys once again for joining the Nine Innings podcast hosted by yours truly, Kevin Thompson, founder and CEO of Not I Capital Group. Thank you guys for joining us. As I always say, subscribe to the channel. As I always say, go and get my book, MLB to CFT Live on Apple and Amazon. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach out to us at info at 9icapitalgroup.com. Send us your questions or you can go to the website at www.9icapitalgroup.com. Schedule your appointment. As you know, we're here to do what? Educate, empower, and engage. And we're about to do some engaging because we have a wonderful, wonderful guest, Anthony Ruffalo of Ruffalo Wealth Management. I am pleased and honored to have him today on our podcast. I think he's going to be an extraordinary beacon of, of knowledge. We're going to talk about the imposter syndrome. We're going to talk about owning your own business. We're going to talk about the differences between uh, where you start and where you finish. We're going to talk about a whole host of things. But today, I have Anthony Ruffalo of Ruffalo Wealth Management on today's podcast. Let's get it. We got Anthony Ruffalo on the podcast today. Hey, so let me start with this. And, and again, I've already got your introduction. Ruffalo Wealth Management, you've been doing this for quite some time. Before we get before we go there, you I bet you have a bunch of nicknames. And, and for me, right when I saw your name, I was like, man, I want to call this guy Tony Ruff. I want to call this guy Tony Ruff, man. So I don't know what nicknames you got, but it, is it okay if I called you Tony Ruff? Because that's, that, that's a solid name, my friend. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, most most of my friends just call me Ruff, or they call me Ruffalo. That's what most people call me. Yeah, all that's right. Well, well, we'll call you Ruff then. That's that's cool. But but I I love it. I love it, man. Good. So you started your company. It says fifteen years ago on the LinkedIn. Um, but you did come from the old industry. We're gonna get into this because you and I both know the old industry, right? The mutual yeah. companies, the insurance places. So let's just start there. You and I both know that. When you get into this industry in the first three years, there's a high rate of failure in this business. And whether it be you're in an insurance broker dealer or a wirehouse and a lot of these new interests to the field, like what was your feeling when you, and we're not going to name any names because we're not going to disparage any, any places or any advisors or anything like that. What was your feeling when you first walked into this business? And then what made you transition to Ruffalo Wealth Management? So first of all, uh, Professor West, I'd just like to say, I appreciate you having me on the uh, on the show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I'm running for president, right? <laughs> I love I love it. Um, no, so um, no, I appreciate you having me on. And um, yeah, so I started 18, 18 years ago. Mm -hmm. I and I, I always knew, like, I've always had, but since I'm 14 years old, I've been in sales. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, it like, before you can do anything else, this is first and foremost, it's a sales, it's a sales position. Mm -hmm. um, whether you like, it, it has like a dirty connotation to it, nobody wants to admit it. But you need to be a people person. And you need to if, if you're going to attract new new clients, like mm -hmm. it's it's a sales profession. First and foremost, which is not a dirty word, mm -hmm. if you do it the right way. So I interviewed with all the usual Northwestern Mutual, Mass Mutual, Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, all the usual kind of suspects of the day. And I chose, ultimately, I didn't know anything about the industry. I was like, oh, I'm going to be a 1099 salesperson nobody's paying me anything. Yeah. I have to go sell products. And then I, 
And then after I'm going through the interview process, which they make it seem like, oh, it's this like uh, prestigious job that we may or may not offer you, right? Like we may or may not offer you this this prestigious job. Um, I realize that everybody gets the job. So AXA said, hey, we'll give you we'll give you a place to wake up and go every single day and, and people to go talk to about yeah. their retirement plans. So I said, nobody else has could offer me this. I'm like, hey, I can sell. I now and here's the market. Boom. Yeah. So I started in Charlotte in Charlotte Mecklenburg schools. There's 17,000 employees that I could wake up and go speak to. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I did that for three and a half years. Now, after three and a half years, now I'm 25. I don't know anything about the industry. Exactly. I don't know what, right. So after a while, number one, I was getting burnt out because I was seeing, you know, I was working probably not there were some weeks I worked or some months I worked uh, just 21, 25 days in a row, like Saturdays and Sundays, I worked straight through Mm. 60, 70 hours a week. And I was chasing down, you know, I was, I was running probably 20, 30 appointments a week because there are so many people. I know advisors are listening and they're like, that's an, that's an insane amount of people. Well, these are, you know, people that you're trying to chase down to put away 50, a hundred, $150 because school teachers. Yeah. That was the business model. And but I realized that I was not what I was doing. I was a life and an annuity salesperson. Thousand percent. And that's all I was doing. Mm. And not that the products were bad and not that they didn't fit, but after kind of, you know, spending some time in the industry and understanding how everything works, you realize you're like, I'm not doing wrong, but I'm not doing the best. I'm not doing as, as the best thing I could be doing for, for these, for these people. And like, you know, just a simple example is, you know, the 403Bs were, you know, expend their tax deferred annuities inside of an account that's already tax deferred. Yeah. Pointless. So they get in charge two, two and a half percent when it should be 10 basis points on a retirement. Yeah. Are you doing wrong? No. Is it justified? Suitable? Yeah. Great point though. So you, you only know what you know, but you don't know what you don't know. So when you first come into this industry, like you mentioned before, oh, this is a prestigious process. We're only taking the best of the best. But then at the end of the day, they're taking everybody and throwing the spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks, you yeah. know? And and I that that irks me, man. That irks me because I've been in, I've been there. I've been in those mutual companies. And they said, you're going to be a financial advisor because you're going to take care of people. And then you go through all this process and you get there. Oh, I'm just selling insurance. I'm an insurance yeah. and annuity. So what else they're doing? Oh, like we just said before, zero to three years, you do all this work and then you know what? It just doesn't, it just doesn't work out. You're not producing enough, but we're going to keep all your clients, but you go somewhere else. It's, it's, yeah, it's not just only, not only that, but so what exact what happened to me is when the, when I figured it out, um, I was like, I just, in my mind, I was like, there's got to be a way where I have a hundred clients that just pay me a fee every year. And I manage your assets. I do their estate planning, I do their retirement planning. I manage the investments and I, I manage the insurance. Um, I get them everything that they need and they just trust me. And we just have this ongoing trusted relationship. There was nobody to teach me that. So I left and I joined a group of, group of guys who were doing that, who happened to be on LPL's platform. And because I didn't, I didn't know what an independent was versus a captive versus a wirehouse versus a bank and how the industry, it took me about eight years of being in the industry to really understand all of the behind the scenes stuff. That's by design, by the way, that's all by design. So that takes us to everything being balanced together and being a true fiduciary. 
I've seen your stuff on LinkedIn. By the way, you do such a great job, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one thing that, that that stuck out to me and that, that you helped me on, I'm going to tell you this right now. You, you, were, you were talking about marketing. You said, we all want to market to this huge just ocean. And he says, you said, stop doing that and start in your own community. You said, go, go smaller, like start where, start where you can in your own community, build, build a, 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 a name there and then start branching out versus thinking. So I got to do a YouTube podcast. I got to do all this stuff just to throw it out there and see who sticks. No, start in your own community. And the reason why I say that is because I started thinking about that and I started in my own community and now I'm, I'm starting to get clients in my own community. My neighbors want to meet with me. So thank you so much for that, that tidbit of information, my friend, because I mean, you, you do such a great job with your, with your content. You know where, where that comes from is just, but years of being in, in the industry and mm-hmm. going to conferences and yeah. you're, you see, you know, podunk, you know, Jerry from little, small, little farm town. You're like, that guy manages $300 million. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, well, he's the only guy in his town. And they're like, there's, there's like 47 people in his town. Yeah. But he manages it for everybody. Yeah. So that, that was the kernel that, oh, that made years ago that made me think like that. Um, like just market look because th- that's where you get the this digital work. People think they're going to do a podcast or they're going to do YouTube stuff, and just people are going to start lining lining up at the door, and that yeah. is that is just not the case. There's a different level of trust and confidence that comes in when you're local. When mm-hmm. people like people jokingly say when they transfer their life savings over, and and you know I have a storefront. Um, you know, like, no, it's fine. I know where to find you. Like, if you screw anything up, I know where to find you. Yeah. And they're joking. <laughs> they're, they're, they're joking. Ha ha ha. But there is a subconscious piece in there that that makes them feel more more comfortable. I tell people this all the time. I said the only reason I do podcasts and all the videos is because that's more of like a self-interest for me. That that allows me to kind of bloviate and just put it mm-hmm. out there. And I'm not trying to get a true ROI on that kind of stuff. But what I'm trying to do is provide value and content for those around me. And you never know what's going to come from it. And the reason why I said that is because um I I, I do all this stuff and then I, I was meeting I was meet, meeting with a guy in Washington. And he says, Kevin, I love your clips. I love, I love all the stuff that you do. I want to talk to you about joining your firm. I was like, well, okay, great. You know, so that's the kind of stuff that that comes from this. Because I mean, if you put your true passions out there and people can see it, it's 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 a it's a it's a definite change. But again, I don't do this for 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 eyeballs and all this other stuff. I do it truly because I, I want I want to make a difference. I know that's cliche. Yeah, people can call it call it what they want, but that's just me. But again, you do such a great job with your content. Uh, you talk about the fiduciary status, what it means to you. I saw one of your videos where you were just, you were joking around like, I, you know, the, the, the banker comes across the, the bank guy starts walking around and he says, Oh, I got all these clients coming to my door because I, I work in a bank and you, and you're saying, well, go, go get your bank clients. I'm, I'm sitting here with the real, the real hard work trying to find a new client each day. I mean, that is absolutely the difference between what we do and what those other advisors do with those other firms uh, is just, the, the day-to-day grind of, you know, hey, referrals, uh, networking, things like that. And, and I'm sure you felt it, and especially in your, in your new business when you launched your Ruffalo Wealth Management. So talk to me a little bit about Ruffalo Wealth Management. Um, so it's not, I mean, it sounds a lot fancier than it really is. Uh, the, <laughs> the reason I named it that was just um, be, because I couldn't come up with something and I was, I needed, <laughs> I needed something for a sign, really. Um, I work with your 
you know, kind of my little niche that I've carved out is equity compensated executives. And it mm-hmm. sounds a lot sexier than it than it really is, because it could be as simple as, you know, somebody who works at Lowe's who mm-hmm. has a thirty thousand dollar, you know, RSU grant for the mm-hmm. year. And I do have C-suite people that I work with. It, it gets much more complex. But the bulk of the people are, you know, millionaire next door type people that have just saved and saved and and put it away or on that path. Now, those are my, those are my, my people. You you help lay out a strategy to, you know, to send, to get a kid through school uh, debt free, you know, and you start creating generational wealth for a family because, you know, just something as simple as, um, you know, getting, getting a hold of people young and having them put money into say a 529 plan. And then, and then, and you get a hold of them early enough and it's just a couple hundred dollars a month. And then they wind up being able to write, write a check um, for their kids to go to college. And then they come out of college without student debt or loans. Like now you're, you're making real generational differences within uh, a family. And that's the part of the financial planning process, helping clients understand what that represents because and, and I'll tell you right now, in my old world, those conversations wouldn't happen because you know why? There's no compensation on it. Oh, we, we, get, we get compensated from two products or three products. And and unfortunately, as an RIA, and I know you're as an independent advisor, we can charge for that. We can charge for our expertise. I, I, I have financial consulting. I have financial uh, comprehensive financial planning. We charge fees and things like that for it, also for investment management. But we, ha- we can have these conversations and receive compensation versus just saying, by the way, do you have some life insurance? By the way, you need a variable annuity so I can get six, 7% and I don't have 7% anymore, but 6%. So up front, so I can basically keep my lights on. So it's, it's, it's just a matter of focus. And I, I, again, great dialogue there. So I got a question for you. So when you went independent, were you thinking about going independent in the RIA space or just independent in the broker dealer space like what what was your decision decision making tool there yeah so there was no thought process whatsoever um it was just serendipity it was luck Mm -hmm. so and i'll explain so when i i joined um lp i didn't know the difference yeah so i just happened to be on an independent platform because i was working with some other, some other folks in the mm. industry. Then I learned what I felt like I needed to learn. And I wanted to, I wanted to do my thing just slightly different. So I just, I just broke, broke off from the office that I was already in. And I, I cause I was already independent. Yeah. So I didn't think about it. I did start thinking about possibly um, probably about five or six years ago. I was like, Oh, should I be, full-blown RIA and just register my own thing directly with the, uh, with the state and then just do my own thing. And just the math, like the math of it didn't for me and where my practice, the math just didn't add up. The math wasn't math. (laughs) Yeah. The math didn't add up versus the extra liability because I had, you know, a a pretty decent size um, practice. Sorry about my situation in regards to that because I was there and my math started not math in, in other direction, right? Like 
I was getting 69% payout, which is really good in regard to like just the broker dealer space, right? Not in the yeah. independent space, but as a, as a captive broker dealer, that's a pretty good deal. And let's just say we have $400,000. So just 70% at $400,000. That's $280,000 that, that, that somebody would make, right? But there's another 120,000 there that goes somewhere. Broker dealers, agencies, OS, whatever you want to call it. So you start looking at the math of that. You're like, well, there's $120,000. What am I paying for? What's the value in that, right? Okay, compliance. Okay. Is that $120,000 cost in compliance? No, right? Asset management tools and all the other stuff. No, nah, that's still not $120,000 worth of cost there. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go and recoup that $120,000 and run this thing myself. And that's basically what was my decision tool there was, was recouping that and, and, and being able to save some money on the back end and, and, and provide my clients a better experience. Now with, I can do uh, estate planning through, we do wealth.com, holistic plan through tax management. We do all, tax planning. We do all these different things that I didn't have access to at a captive broker dealer. And that's the reason why I left in, 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 in the grand scheme of things. But we all have our reasons, my friend. We all have our reasons to do things. We all have our reasons to go independent. So my question to you now, my friend, rough. So you've been doing this business. You're now a certified financial planner. Um, you, you, have, you have a great following on LinkedIn. What are some of the, the, the things you like to tell young advisors in the business, whether it be get a mentor or do these certain things earlier in your career? What are, what are one or two things you, you would say, every new advisor needs to do. Let me, let me answer, let me answer it much more concisely. Here's what, yeah. here's what you should, what you should be doing. I think number one, as a young person coming in, I think you should, you should learn how, like truly you should learn how to do taxes. You should get the EA designation. That means become an enrolled agent with the IRS, learn how to do tax prep. And I say that because, um, that that's a different skill than a senior advisor will have. And it's also an indicator of if you're at a firm that won't allow you to do that, you probably shouldn't be at that firm. Boom. If you can't, if you cannot do tax prep and it always, I never understood, I never understood like, Hey, I'm a financial advisor, but I can't talk to you about taxes, but everything I sell revolves around taxes, but I can't talk to you around taxes. That doesn't, that's a huge disconnect. Every decision that you make during the financial planning process should be tax driven. So you should as a young person, you should learn how to prepare taxes. That will give you an unbelievably rock solid foundation. And it'll also give you a competitive advantage if you're if you're trying to get a job versus another, even a CFP, because a senior is going to go, well, I'm a CFP. He's a CFP. That's kind of more of a threat. This is an EA. They can, we're, we're, we complement each other rather than being duplicative. So mm. I'm going to, I'd rather look for a new skill set to bring in and add to the practice. And then I can grow the, the, the planning side. That would be number one. And number two, if you're feeling that imposter syndrome, it's fine. As long as you have clean credit, you have a written financial plan, and you are saving something on a monthly basis and not being a credit card criminal running up debt. If you're doing those three things, then I can you I think you can look somebody squarely in the face who's older with money and say, these are the things that I'm doing. I'm not there yet, but I'm on the right path. Yeah. And that will give you the confidence in order to execute because you don't have to have cancer to be, to be an oncologist. I love it, man. So now to, to segue, I had a, a, a video out recently about the imposter syndrome. Uh, we, we've all dealt with it in the past. Like I told my story about when I was uh, in the, uh, at, a, at an autograph session 
And then Jim Kelly gets in the car, right? Jim Kelly, the Buffalo Bills famous quarterback. And I'm like, why is he in the car with me? Or was I in the car with him? I, I don't know. Who, who knows? Who knows? But anyways, it's like, I get there and then there's like Emmett Smith signing autographs. There's Rice over here, Jerry Rice. And there's all these people. And then there's little old me. I'm like, what in the hell am I doing? And these guys have done it for years. But yeah. luckily, like I said, luckily I had a line, the people that want me to sign for my, my autograph and stuff. But at the end of the day, like that felt like the biggest imposter that day. I was like, man, this is, this is crazy. I don't feel like I belong here, but I, I came to grips with it. Like, you know, I do belong here. I work hard and everything like that. So how do you tell these young kids in the industry today that don't have any money, that don't have any money and they're told to go out and, and, and go out and grab network, grab prospects like that imposter syndrome, because how are you telling somebody with three, four, five, maybe half a million dollars, what to do with their money when you're basically heavily indebted and you're trying to make, trying to survive in this business. That's yeah. That's a tough one to tackle. That's a tough one to tackle. So yeah. number one, first and foremost, I'm a believer in you, if you want to do something and you really believe you can do it, you can get it done because this life takes place between the six inches between your ears. I want the young kids out there to be very careful. And the reason why I'm <laughs> saying that is because what's going to happen is that you're going to, they're going to, this is what some companies are going to tell you. Oh, don't worry about that because we're going to get you with one of our senior advisors when you bring people over. So when they, when you bring people over, they're going to take those clients and they're going to say, yeah, I'll help you. I've been in the business for X amount of years. I got this, this, and this credential and that's fine. But then what happens, like I said, between zero and three years where there's a 72% chance of failure, that senior advisor is going to keep your client. So yeah. that's what, that's what I've seen happen time and time again. But I do believe in mentorship. I do believe that people need to get in this business and find someone they trust, not someone you're told to trust, but someone you absolutely trust and that will treat you right. Because I've seen it time and time again, where you're out of the business and people just forget about you. I like to keep these short because I mean, to be, to be honest, like yeah. people's attention spans are 15 minutes at best. You know what I mean? So I like to I keep them very short. What would you like to leave the, the audience with today? Some, some rough, uh, some, some rough knowledge, if, if I can say that some, something that's, that, that, that's a value driven knowledge base from, from, from Anthony rough today. Um, I would say, let's see, uh, 19 games played <laughs> 30 at bats, five hits batting 300. No, well, that was my first year, man. That was my, that's that was pretty year. solid. Well, that, so that was, that was my first year again. Like I, and for those who doesn't, for the, most of my people know, that's yeah, amazing. I played in the major leagues and everything. Yeah, so I, I played, I was in June, July, August. Uh, I, I would play maybe once or twice a week. Uh, of course, we had Johnny Damon, Hideki Matsui, Bobby Abreu, and then Melky, and then me. So we had, we carried five outfielders, and I would probably get once or, once or twice a week <laughs> and get some at bats in. So yeah, I, my first year, I felt real good. Second year, not so much because uh, the playing time got, got a little bit more sparse. And then yeah, then I got sent over to Oakland. So <laughs> it's well, the life may, of an athlete, my friend, life of an athlete. I always say Joe Torrey, if he wasn't, if he never played baseball, he looked like he, he, he looked like he should be a car mechanic, like one of those old mechanics. <laughs> Joe Torrey's a great dude. Like, again, I, I, I forgive him for forgive for, for forgetting to put me in a batting, batting practice group that one day I was starting. I, don't, I think it was in, in Toronto. Forgive you for that, Joe Torrey. But again, it did hurt my feelings because I do feel a certain way. And of it's, course- I feel a certain way because I'm talking about it right now. It's like 20, like 15, 20 years later. <laughs> so you should be proud of that. That's a, that is an absolutely, that's a blessing 
you know, it, it's a tremendous accomplishment. And so people think it, I mean, you you got blessed with some genetics, but, but more importantly is the work ethic. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, think that same work ethic, work ethic from that into this business, my wife tells me all the time, you work too much. And that's not work. It's love. And the, the best thing I will say, and I'll leave it with this. The best thing a client can ever tell me is thank you. We appreciate what you did for us. I had a client tell me yesterday, Kevin, I, you kept telling me this because she's going to retire with like her and her husband going to have $153,000 of guaranteed income from pensions, uh, social security. It's ridiculous. I was, I was like, I said, you're going to make more money. She says, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Cause they were, they were a, a, a magnificent savers. But then she called me yesterday. She says, Kevin, we did our budget. And I finally understand what you're saying. I said, that makes, that makes me feel so good, man. And that's what, that's what it's all about. It ain't about the money. Yeah. And again, the money's good. But but ultimately, it's about those calls when people say thank you. I love that. That's awesome. This podcast, my friend. I love I love what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing on LinkedIn, man. It's it's so powerful. It gives me so many ideas, and and hopefully we can meet up one day if I'm up in your area. So it it'd be a, it'd be a pleasure to, to come in uh, in the South Carolina, South <laughs> South Carolina region, my friend. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We talked about a lot of different things today. We talked about the imposter syndrome, what I went through, some of the things that Anthony brings to brings to light. We also talked about what you can do in the industry to get yourself prepared about the industry you're about to embark in. There's a lot of things you can do. Uh, he mentioned uh, EA, becoming an EA and doing some tax planning that way will set yourself apart. As you know, we're here to do what guys? Educate, empower, and engage. And that's what we're here to bring to you on this 980s podcast. Make sure you subscribe to this channel. Make sure you go and get my book, MLB to CFP, live on Apple and Amazon. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can go to the website at www.9icapitalgroup.com schedule an appointment or you can go to the email address at info at 9icapitalgroup.com send us your questions stay humble stay safe we love you thank you 9i cappers see you again soon <laughs>